Well, good evening, everyone, and thank you for spending part of it with us, DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long from downtown Los Angeles. And this is a week eight edition of the Coach McVay Show with special guest Les Snead. We always appreciate the general manager of the Rams taking some time out on a short week while Coach McVay gets that game plan early. This week, it's a trip to Miami to face the Dolphins with a quarterback change. We'll talk about that upcoming. But the Rams are coming off a 24-10 win over the Chicago Bears. They get to 5-2. and two. And Les, how are you feeling about last night's win at SoFi Stadium? Well, first of all, it, it it just hit me, and it's it's always true, right? I'm I'm always invited on the show. It has to be some sort of short week, right? <laughs> Either post Monday night game or Thursday night game coming up. So. Just means you're on our short list, <laughs> right? That that is that is definitely uh, that is definitely true. Uh, but you know what? It, it, uh, Got a lot of texts from from people last night. You know, watching the game when you when you do a Monday night, and and coming from coming from the South SEC country, uh, some of some of the friends I went to college with, right? You know, they, they really like the aspect that hey, it was a I call it an old school Gene Stallings back when he was coaching at Alabama, late eighties, early nineties, field position game, two two good teams, two good defenses. And uh, field position was going to matter, so it, it was fulfilling to to go against a, a quality team uh, in a big in a big game for both of us and 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 get the result that we wanted. You know, uh, I, I guess where do we start? I mean, when you talk field position, the first guy that came to mind was was Johnny Johnny Hecker, uh, your punter. Uh, and outside of that, I mean, if you're not talking about him, uh, you, you can talk about your offense moving the football against that Bears defense. Uh, I thought both were great, but. Which guy would you rather? Which side would you want to start with, offense or special teams? Well, they. I think they. Uh, I think you make a good point. It, they both worked in in combination. There was times where uh, we consistently moved the ball, and when we when we moved it, and and let's say we got right at midfield, midfield couldn't get the the next first down or what have you to 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 continue the drive. It, it put Johnny in a, in a in a good spot to to do his. <clears throat> His, I don't know what you call those punts, but they were really working and have been working. And it's one of the things, that, and I know we'll, we'll talk about it at some point with us uh, re- releasing uh, Sam today, hmm. you know, our kicker. But it was one of the things Sean and I talked about uh, early in camp, right? No matter what happened with the kick kicking position, it was probably going to be someone with uh, less experience. So there was, a, and, and moving on from Greg and having that, uh, confidence in in kicking the long field goal, and and when you miss those long field goals, right, you you ended up giving the uh, opponent good field position. But we did talk about look going with an inexperienced kicker, whoever that might or might not have been. Uh, it would be good to uh, be able to get Johnny back involved and 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 hopefully pin some teams deep and make them have to go a long way to score. When the Rams talk about winning with complimentary football, was last night maybe the quintessential example of that where you know you put it all together and you could point to various plays, various moments where each unit had to do its part to get that victory? And, and as a corollary to that, like how dangerous of a team does that make the Rams potentially uh, as you get into division play and hopefully make a push for a championship that depending on you know your matchup, you can win with offense, defense, or special teams if necessary? Well, I think the, the deeper you go, the more meaningful games – you have and 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 as we get into the division and those games are always you know they're they're always going to be you know if it's scheduled for 15 rounds it's probably going 15 hmm. rounds and it might come down to 
to um, different possessions or, or, or one possession game. So I, I think what, what a, when a team realizes and and over the course of a season earns victories in, in many different ways and, and feels like, you know, no matter the uh, personality of the game and, and, and whatever type game, uh, you know, uh, you know that, that the personality basically evolves. You don't know what it's going to be when you you line up. You, you got your game plan, you have your vision, but when the ball's kicked off, you never know. But uh, when you believe and you've over the course of the season earned some W's many different ways, I, I do think when you get in those those bouts that go, uh, whether it's defensive, whether it's uh, field position, whether you having to to come back from you know, double digits, whatever it is, uh, you believe you, you have a chance, and, and I think that'll be a, a good thing going forward. That's a pretty good vision, Les. Just, you know, you hold teams to three points offensively, and that's that's a good vision. That's a good way to win games <laughs> yeah, in the NFL. It, that I would say that holding teams to three points may be a vision that doesn't get, you know, it probably only goes as far as the uh, whiteboard because that's usually not going to be the case. But I, I give, uh, you know, Brandon his – Staff, his side of the ball, our defense, a, a lot of credit. Uh, I mean, for you know the the, the ability to, to come in at halftime, make adjustments, and 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 basically be holding teams to about three points a, a second half, or maybe even under that now. So uh, uh, give that group uh, credit, and I don't think we're going to always hold teams to three points, but I know they they believe in themselves. They're getting. You know they're earning more efficacy. You know every time they go out, and and it, it is really neat to see when you when you do see you know a team, especially a defense, start really believing in themselves and, th- and believing they can you know suffocate another team. One of the tone setting plays on defense as we come up on what about a year anniversary since the Rams acquired Jalen Ramsey was the hit he put on Javon and Wims at the sideline, and I think we knew what you were hoping you were getting in terms of a, a lockdown corner, but did you know, did you project this level of tackling on the perimeter from Jalen when he became a Ram? Well, you, I think if you go back to the, the opening game, uh, you know, his opening game in a Ram uniform, uh, you know, that Falcon game, and, you know, everyone can talk about uh, basically just saying, hey, I'm going to go get Julio and, and Julio not having a julio S type game, but I do remember – and I forget who it was. Maybe it was Devontae Freeman. I but I, I think in that very opening game, he made a probably a tackle very similar to that caused the fumble. And, and we saw him do it uh, in Washington when when you know when Kyle Allen was scrambling for for first down. So we've seen him do it. You 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 did see it at, at Jacksonville. So uh, obviously, it's one thing to be able to. You know, to cover, it's one thing to have the confidence and, and the and the belief and the and the really the the want to say, hey, let me go do really important jobs just about every uh, you know you know play of the game. So uh, that's neat to have his intelligence that allows him to be versatile. Uh, all of those things are is is one of you know is is the reasons that we made the trade and the reasons we 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 signed him to be a Ram for for a long time and and help our team for a long time. Well, on behalf of Rams fans, thank you very much for that. That's uh, tremendous. Uh, The guy is uh, just a a tremendous player. I would love to get him in a room and just kind of Hannibal Lecter him just to find out where that comes from. Like, where does that passion? He always wants to be first to the football. You know what I mean? And he wants to get there violently. Where does that come from? Well, it is interesting. I think when you when you do get a chance to sit sit in a room with him, and I re, I do remember uh, really having a uh, probably the let's call it after 
after season uh, action review as we were checking out. And it was one of the first times that you, that I was able to sit along with him and, and kind of get a feel, uh, you know, for where his head was at, how he felt, you know, felt like things uh, were going uh, as we articulated uh, what might happen with the defense. But when you sit with Jalen Ramsey, you realize football is important. You realize he thinks about football a lot. He thinks about competing a lot. He thinks about matchups a lot, uh, individual matchups and schematic matchups. So he, he's one of those, those human beings that just, you know, wakes up and, and really is passionate about the trade and, and spends a lot of time, not just physically uh, trying to get better, but, uh, you know, probably mentally, spiritually, psychologically trying to get better. Can I say he looks like a guy who cares about being great? Is that fair? Definitely. Definitely. You can feel it, too. Uh, I know Brandon has chatted with him, too, because it has – Anytime a player right comes to a new team and 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 where he is, he's a great player, right? He came here with a reputation as being one of the, the better corners in the league. But uh, it takes time with a particular team uh, to right rise into the hierarchy where uh, you're you're a you're a real you're a go to leader. And I know Brandon. And Ed is trying to encourage him to continue. Uh, I call it being an igniter for us because a, a hit like that, a tackle like that, where guy is right, uh, basically eliminated from getting the the, the first down and, and easily could have gotten it, but stopped a yard short and stopped a yard short. Where even though there's no energy in the stadium per se from a fan standpoint. You know, those type plays create energy and, and, and taking that to the sideline in the locker room and things like that. And, and just being one of those igniters that not everyone can be, but he certainly can be. We're chatting with Les Snead, who is not only the general manager of the Los Angeles Rams, he's also a co-host of one of the hottest new podcasts in the sports marketplace, Six Ways to Sunday. I want to make sure we plug that. Uh, I think you're the only general manager in the league with a podcast. Could be wrong. Probably should have researched that ahead of time. Is that going well for you, Les? Well, I don't know if it's the hottest. It is. So, no, that I did check. I really that's I, I think that's that would be probably just because we're all Rams, right? Yes. And you're you know, you gotta be nice and things like that. But uh no, you know it's the, the best thing uh that that does for me, even though this time of year once football starts, uh we'll not spend a lot of time with it. We'll we'll try to do it, you know, once every four to five weeks. The the thing it does uh, do for me and has allowed me to do. And one of the things I've always wanted to do is because once training camp starts, once you know, once we start keeping score and 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 and, and the standings are real, uh, you get in your hole, you do your day to day, and and you don't necessarily, even though I've written it down many times and and want to do this. Okay, make sure you at least spend one to two to three hours a week still. <clears throat> still thinking about studying uh some big picture type uh you know paradigms ideas you know the uh, philosophy things like that that can that can help let's call it as you hear me say the the telescopic and, and not just the microscopic so it's easy to fall into the microscopic right now and that's very important because right last night was important and that's over and next week's important and and all of those things add up in the standings but i do think uh being able to prepare for that 
has allowed me to make sure I, I do spend, you know, those one to two to three to maybe four hours a week uh, still with with head uh, in books and, and talking to people and, and hopefully, uh, right, generating ideas that lead to some innovation that, you know, gives the Rams some cutting edges. Well, columnist and author Sam Walker was your first guest with uh, co-host Kara. It was excellent. Encourage our audience to uh, give that a listen here as they prepare for week eight and a trip to Miami to face the Dolphins. This is the perfect time of year to have Les Snead on. The trade deadline is approaching one game left before the bye, and Sean Robinson will be active to make his Rams debut against the Dolphins. We'll talk about all that as we continue with the Coach McVay Show. Thankful to have Les Snead as our special guest on 710 ESPN. It's just great to know that Aaron Donald knows my name sometimes. You know, that guy's such a star in this league. And no, no, I love AD. It's so much fun. And we talk about it all the time in the special teams room being kind of a shot of energy. We're a transition phase, you know, essentially with, you know, we're ending an offensive possession and the defense is coming on the field with the punt team or return is giving juice to the offense. So we got to do what we can to really provide that shot in the arm for the phase coming on the field. And tonight we were able to do that with some great production and the defense pinned their ears back and was able to, man, just, pitch a great game and I'm really proud of the way we played complimentary football tonight that's Rams punter Johnny Hecker who dropped five of his punts at or inside the 10 yard line forcing the Bears and Nick Foles into some long field situations one of the reasons why that Rams defense held the Chicago Bears to only three points on their side of the football we continue with a week eight edition of the Coach McVay show DeMarco Farr and JB Long wasn't it great to see Hecker kind of windmilling down the field at SoFi Stadium it's been too long since we've seen some of his world-class celebrations what did you call one of his punts he uh, hot dogged it, uh, like a watermelon. A kick watermelon or, shot. Or, you know, he, he hits a hot dog. So he kind of turns the, it. Yeah, he's got the banana shot. The, the, the hot perpendicular. dog was new. Either way, man, I, yeah. I wish I can you know, get my golf game to check up like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it was awesome. He had some backspin on. Great those. cover too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Les Snead is our guest on this edition of the show, and we are previewing a trip to Miami, a chance to go to 6-2. and two. Before the bye, let's get into some of the news items of the early week. Uh, one of them unfortunate, Terrell Burgess uh, broke his ankle. He'll have surgery, so the rookie safety is done for the year, unless maybe we can pick up the conversation there. Last week against San Francisco and matching up against George Kittle and again on Sunday night at SoFi, it seemed like Burgess's rookie season was just about to really take off. Uh, how gut wrenching was it to see it come to an end so suddenly for you? Yeah, I think you you, you hit the nail on the head in that. Uh, obviously, talented kid, but as he got more and more uh, reps in real action and, and experience in, in real NFL games, you, you could begin to see things slow down for him. You could begin to see the uh, geometry really working out for him, taking right angles and, and cutting things off. And then a lot of times, sometimes with safeties. Right, you feel a play, you see a play. There's a PBU, but there's many times when when they when when the game starts slowing down for them, the geometry is, is very you know is in slow motion. They take things away uh, that you don't see because you know the QB or, or what have you couldn't get the ball there. So uh, you hate to see that with a, a play uh, a player, especially a rookie young young person who is you know beginning the jail with the, with that unit. Uh, you know, go down early. And you always have to think about, uh, you know, the young man's, you know, it's a very, it, that's adversity is tough. It's tough on the, you know, the mental, the psych of, of wild my, my season just ended. So, um, you got to really, uh, 
you know, and our, and our director of athletic performance, Reggie Scott, and his team do a great job of, of, of they call it mind, body, and spirit, right? They're going to they're gonna help him get the body back, but make sure the, the mind and spirit are, are lifted, too, as he goes through this adverse time. I thought it was a good safety game. I, uh, Nick Foles was trying some deep shots. What was his percentage deep-wise? Deep I mean, not very good. I thought the safeties were great. I thought they made great open field tackles. We talked about Taylor Rapp, John Johnson III, as was everywhere. But, you know, um, I, I hated the way it happened. But I love to see Nick Scott actually get in there and play safety. And I thought he was flying around. I thought he looked good back there. Definitely, uh, definitely uh, flew around. Definitely made some plays, and 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 definitely uh, is the part. And I know uh, in, in this particular defense and in Brandon's defense, and in, in the way you know the way he utilizes safeties. I know early on, uh, once we got to once we got to camp, got on the grass, and and, and got through the the uh acclimation periods uh you know and brandon was talking a lot about uh mr scott and his his natural athleticism and size and range and how he felt like uh he could evolve uh more than just being uh let's call it our our special teams ace demon whatever uh tagline comes with those type of players and and i think last night uh uh, he got a chance and, and he showed it. Now, a lot of times those players, right, you you think he might be able to do it, all of those things, because they've done things in practice, but it's really when all of a sudden there's sudden change and there's an emergency situation, there's insurance needed, you get your chance and you, you prove you belong and not only belong, you make plays, and, and, and that's that's kind of where all of a sudden you go from being special teams player to uh, a, 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 a or a player with a you know defensive role on the uh, positive side of the uh, injury in the health report it seems like Ashawn robinson will make his rams debut in miami against the dolphins and uh, after starting the year less on the reserve non-football injury he's been activated he's been practicing with the rams when you drew this thing up why was he someone that you wanted to target to be right there in the middle of brandon staley's defense well i think if you if you really look at the timeline and, and how it, it all worked, there was an element when when uh, Michael Brockers left to go to Baltimore, obviously that is a you know, that is a large human on that defensive line that, that we were gonna uh have to replace. It didn't feel like we would uh be able to do it or in the draft didn't feel like we would be able to and probably shouldn't count on that. Uh, just because, as DeMarco can tell you, you know, quality defensive linemen go early, and and, and large ones don't hang around uh, long either. So that that was one place where we felt like, okay, there's uh, there was a veteran like Ashawn with experience who was still available. Let's let's go uh, grab him and and definitely ensure that position. Then we were fortunate enough uh, from our standpoint to get brought back based on. Uh, him signing with Baltimore, but not passing their physical, what have you, and 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 then we we had the bonus of wow, we we've got a luxury now, but then uh, through the COVID experience, uh, Ashawn went through what he went through, worked it out with him and his agent to to do uh, this type of situation, a non football injury, so that uh, when he was cleared, he could uh, come back, and so here we go, we're moving into that time that would be. Uh, Somewhere in that timeline, where okay, we got a luxury where we we have three quality defensive linemen in terms of uh, uh, Aaron Brock and, and 
Ashawn to go with with our uh, young defensive linemen uh, that have been uh, you know proven their way and uh, you know making and defining their roles on our defense. I mean, you got to compete for your job. Adding Ashawn Robinson to the rotation means somebody's going to play a little bit less, but if it makes the team better, then so be it. Yeah, I mean, and, and what he's going to add is uh, he's going to add the uh, you know an element of of size width length uh that you know that that definitely helps let's call it it makes it a little more crowded in there and uh let's call it the the lanes to run the football are a little less or a little tighter so i think having that type of body type is going to be a uh is going to be a nice bonus uh for what brandon his staff wants to do but you give our defensive line credit all of those guys and and with our, our my man Gaines from the Pac-12 and and Foxy and and Sebastian and, and those guys those are guys just because Ashawn's coming back doesn't mean uh you know we're down on those players we really uh, you know like what they've done to date and and like you said right now there's going to be less minutes for everyone but hopefully as we uh uh, continue to stretch. It just keeps everyone fresher as we go. And then the other uh, roster item from today that we want to get your thoughts on, of course, the change at kicker. The Rams announcing earlier today that Samuel Sloman had been released. Uh, last week, they signed veteran Kai Forbath uh, to compete for that kicking job. So let's start, uh, Mike Pearson, our producer, if we could, with uh, Sean McVay's uh, thoughts on that topic, and then we'll uh, we'll bring Les Snead back for more context on the change at kicker. Yeah, it was. Um, it's definitely something that, especially now with just some of the technology, Kevin, that you have in terms of measuring, you know, the apex of these kicks, or even just once it gets to the line of scrimmage, what's that height compared to the norm? Those are things that um, you know typically I haven't had to look at over the last couple of years, but that is something that we were in tune with. Um, it was a little bit lower than what is the average, and I think that's where we've seen that reflected in kicks getting blocked, but. Um, you know, I always think it's a tough situation as a rookie to come in and, um, you know, have some of the pressure that that kicking position entails. You know, you look at the trajectory and really the history of the league. Uh, in a lot of instances, you kind of go through some things and then you end up getting a chance down the road. And, you know, that's the hope that I have for Sam because I, I think um, great guy. I thought he handled it well. And, you know, those are never fun conversations, but I think he understood, um, you know, that, we needed to produce at a higher level and, and wish him nothing but the best moving forward. All right, so that was Rams head coach Sean McVay on releasing Samuel Sloman, uh, the rookie draft pick, and now they turn it over to Kai Forbath, a veteran and a UCLA product. And so, Les, what other, what other context, I guess, can you offer on, one, the selection of Samuel and why his first pass at the NFL, and we certainly hope that there will be more, didn't quite go as planned? Well, I think Sean hit the, the nail on the head and, and gave great context there with, with some of the analytics that you do have. But if you didn't have the analytics right, you, you three block kicks and, and what was occurring right, uh, definitely as that ball crosses the line of scrimmage, it, it would be, you know, somewhere between probably uh, two or a foot lower than the average. So uh, what was happening now is right there, the, the, Still go block team was practicing all week to try to put some of the taller guys in the middle there to block that shot. So hmm. it was going to then lead to Sam having to right adjust, you know, adjust the trajectory of his shot and 
and that might be something better served uh, outside. Let's call it competition, because uh, I mean, it's, if you're if you're hitting the golf ball right and you want to get a little more air on it right, you're, there's going to have to be a change in technique. But uh, I do think he'll he'll go do that. I do think what he he gave us, and, and one of the reasons he won the job was uh, there was a scrimmage down right before. Uh, really right as going into that last week of cutdowns. And, and that was a day where Johnny Hecker was having uh, a baby. And, and so your normal holder was out, Cooper Cup. Your next holder ended up leaving the, the scrimmage early with a with a little bit of an ankle injury. So we were down to, you know, number three holder. And, and all those kickers really struggled that day at that scrimmage. But uh, what you always liked about Sam is anytime there was any struggle, and, and especially that next week going into, okay, every every one of those kickers felt like they lost the job that day. And, and so, but Sam was able to get it back on the rails and have a really good final week. And, and I think that's something that uh, – He's born with, he has, you can't coach that. So if he can go work on that trajectory, I, I think he definitely has a chance. But where we're at, as close to games as as, as this league has, it's, it's probably as tight a division you know that we're in. Uh, we felt like it was time to, to bring in an experienced kicker. And of all the kickers that were available and guys who've kicked, you know, it, it, let's call it 2019, 18, and even 17, uh, he's he's one of the, if not the most accurate kicker that was uh, available, uh, and that's really taken the the analytics from 17, 18, and 19. So we felt like it was uh, a good move and and one that could solidify that side of the ball right now. You know, for for Sam Sloman, I hope, like you said, that he knows this isn't the end of the line. Go work on your craft. And how many former kickers have you played against? How many guys there that kicked here are still kicking? Santos was here. Well, Ficken was here. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. we've had the with with Greg having some injury issues the last few years, right? Well, uh, care, I mean, Mr. Santos last night. I know Sam Fickens up with the Jets, and you know, there may be there may be a couple more. And that's exactly what I told Sam today. It's a tough cut, uh, but he was very appreciative. You know, got the chance, but you know, you you never know. There there could be injuries, and uh, it's a little bit tougher these days, right, with, with COVID because you got to get in, you got to go through about six days before you can even have a kickoff. But I know over the last. The last few seasons, right, with a lot of things on the line, we've had at least uh, we've had at least uh, two. I call it kicking gong shows, based on unforeseen uh, injury to Greg. So uh, uh, you never know when you're going to you know get your name called again sometime during the 20 season. Is it fair to say Forbath journeyman kicker? I mean, I, I love to have it where, where your stat line is one football team, but that doesn't happen often with place well, kickers. You, it is interesting his career. You know, he, he spent he probably spent his early part of his year with the Red. I mean, career with the Redskins. Uh, you know, where there was probably four, five, six years. Uh, don't know the exact number. Last three years, he's kind of been that that kicker that if if a team either had an injury or if a uh, team's kicker was struggling, he ended up uh, coming out of the bullpen. So. Uh, last year it was Dallas. They went with a younger kicker uh, who who had a very big le- big leg, uh, but was struggling maybe with some of the accuracy. And uh, I, I do uh, remember, you know, the, when we went and played Dallas, it was his first game uh, with the Cowboys. I think he went. I think he went four for four. He finished last year eleven for eleven. So we don't want to jinx him. Uh, 
you know, with with the stats. But the during his during his uh, relief appearances over the last three years, he's he's been about eighty nine percent accuracy rate, which is probably number one uh, during that time frame. Much more to come with Les Snead as this Coach McFay show continues. The trade deadline is fast approaching. Last year was Jalen Ramsey. The year prior, Dante Fowler. Are the Rams poised to make any moves to bolster their roster? We'll ask that question, and I'm sure the general manager of the Rams will tell us everyone he's speaking to. Uh, but we also want to kind of revisit the, the rookie draft class, and as we approach the midway point of the season, how they're settling in and contributing to the 2020 Rams. Glad you're with us tonight on the Coach McFay show on 710 ESPN. Stop me if you've heard this before. The Rams are back on the road. They're heading back to the East Coast, and they're going to play in the early window. Final game before the bye as the Rams wrap up their first half with a chance to get to 6-2. and two. They're coming off a home win 24-10 to 10 over the Chicago Bears, and General Manager Les Snead is with us tonight as we preview this matchup. You know, Les, as you go to Miami, you've probably heard it's Tua time. Tua Tungvaloa. All right, so I'm 0 for 1 in my pronunciation <laughs> attempts. We'll get that ironed out by Sunday. But, uh, uh, it got me thinking back to when you drafted Terrell Lewis, who was his teammate in Alabama, and uh, how highly both of those young men were thought of in Tuscaloosa. Kind of cool that uh, their reunion occurs for uh, Tua's first start. Yeah, that, uh, didn't think about that till just now. I know uh, growing up in the state of Alabama, I, I had a lot of texts last week when they announced Tua starting that the biggest news in the, in the state wasn't necessarily uh Alabama or Auburn it was uh two getting his first start against the the Rams so a lot of people sent me some texts and whatever tweets or what have you of of what was going on from a news standpoint there so uh that'll that'll be uh definitely pretty interesting those two teammates uh I know this uh in Tuscaloosa they may be you know they could be getting ready for a big game but uh I think I'm trying to think whether it was what they called it, whether it was their Tuesdays or Wednesdays, but uh, Coach Saban would still probably get in about, you know, anywhere from four to eight to 12 reps of, let's call it live full pads, one on, you know, one versus ones, uh, even during the season. So uh, those two probably have gone against each other a little bit. You know, I just, <clears throat> since they made the switch, Miami wasn't bad with Fitzpatrick, but. You've been through this before when you have your quarterback of the future and you want to get him reps. I, I just wonder how my, how do you think Miami might respond with a, with a new quarterback coming in when they weren't bad to begin with? Well, the the interesting thing, right? I do think uh, if you, if you go a lot of times these type changes, uh, you know, have been made in the past over the bye week, right? Give, gives gives the entire organization a chance to reset and, and not have to do it right uh, during a game week. So that has occurred. The data they have that we don't have, right, because there was no preseason, what have you, we haven't seen what two has been doing on the on the practice field. And, 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 and maybe I can remember uh, DeMarco before Michael Vick got a start in Atlanta when we drafted him he was doing things on the practice field that whether you were a coach staff uh whether you were cleaning the building and happened to be watching practice whether you're one of those 53 men in the locker room you just knew that kid was special so I, I do think that's some of the data Miami has that we do not have because anytime you make that switch and you were competitive like they were right I, I do think uh for Tua to get the backing of those 52 other teammates, 
he would have had to show some things uh, during those sessions that we just hadn't had a chance to see, unfortunately. Asked about Lewis a moment ago, there were moments against the Chicago Bears where he's getting a tackle for loss on fourth down, and opposite him, Leonard Floyd is racking up a couple of sacks in prime time where you could see the vision that you and Brandon Staley and Sean McVay had for the edges of this defense. How nice was that to see really at full force for the first time? Oh, that was, that was definitely uh, uh nice to see right in 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 two different players two different skill sets and i know brandon's had a background with leonard but just just his versatility right you could you, you can watch him and go okay he's blessed with, with with athleticism i mean he he you know he's he's quick as a cat and bounces around but he's long and, and lengthy so when he he can drop back in coverage and and, and Right, you got to shoot over him. I remember talking to Jared when we uh, when we signed Leonard. He was talking about the game that that was rehashed a lot this week when when we went to Chicago that December night and Brandon was on their staff and and they beat us. But I remember Jared was just articulating how it was tough to throw because you got to throw over him. You got to change the trajectory of that shot, and then then you come over and get Terrell who. Uh, you saw the physics there, right? Quarterell, uh, even though he's a wide receiver, is a big man and 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 fast and and explosive, and was hitting the edge. And 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 Terrell was able to to read that play, uh, change directions, use his uh, you know use his stride to 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 go. You know, he has the range because of his length and his stride to make up ground and then uh, you know hit the big man and 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 drop him down for a loss. So. Uh, that that length, that width that we talked a little bit about, Ashawn Robinson showed up on that play with with T. Lou. Uh, good bookends. I mean, good bookends. Like we always say on the broadcast, no edge, no chance. If you have an edge, you have a chance. Um, I know you get in your bubble during the week, but did you hear about some of the nonsense that was coming from outside the building talking about Aaron Donald can't play the run? And how much of a laugh did you have with that? Well, I I think uh, my. Uh, uh, Kara, my wife, always keeps me in tune a little bit, but I, I, I didn't. The only thing I know, Demarco, I did. I, I remember hearing it earlier in the year. Uh, didn't know it was going on this uh, necessarily this week, but I do think sometime at the end of the week, uh, Kara asked me if, if I had seen or heard what Warren Sapp may have said about Aaron Donald. So, uh, and definitely don't want to get into a. A spitting match with with Warren. He's a little bit bigger than me, and, <laughs> and respect him immensely. Uh, and we have a good time whenever we see each other. But I think that's so. If that was going on, didn't know it. Uh, but I I think I'll say what we probably always said. We're really really uh, jacked that uh, Aaron is is on our side of the the ball, and and we don't have to play against him uh, when we're trying to run the ball. Well, given his performance against the Bears and with Ashawn Robinson coming back, we're going to assume that you don't have to necessarily trade for a run stuffer before the deadline, but it is a coming, and uh, the last couple of years you've made a splash. How active or inactive should we expect the Rams to be here in 2020, Les? I think it, especially all things considered where we're at, how we're playing, uh, the youth on our team, the, the wanting to continue getting youth, like you just mentioned, a T-Lou experience, uh, you know, we're not actively uh, seeking to do things. We like where our draft capital is for the future. We, we like some of those things. So a splash would usually mean giving up, uh, again, more important pieces of the draft. Now, w- what I have articulated uh, a few times 
is you never know when there might be an opportunity, though, that you feel like you should explore, right? And and as you hear rumors and things like that, you definitely should, all right, wait a minute, if that's true, uh, that could be an interesting opportunity that we didn't think about or we didn't strategically seek out. But if that particular player uh, is available and based on, you know, where he's at and his con- things like that, uh, how talented he is, what kind of role he could fit for us there there's definitely I, I do think we owe it to the uh the franchise to explore those opportunities to see if it does uh make us better you know both short and long term so uh that's what we'll continue to do and a lot of times those things you know, heat up this week but i think if i was telling Rams fans uh right uh don't look for any splashes we're not intentionally seeking any splashes but uh you know what if we see a you know Big man up there on that diving board that can make a big splash and that comes available. We'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely explore, analyze it, determine if it's, if it's worth, uh, you know, helping the Rams, uh, uh, both, uh, microscopically and telescopically. There's about to be some fire sales with some of these football teams, especially ones that lost their coaches. But hey, look, every time a sign goes up in my neighborhood, garage sale, state sale, I don't have to buy, but at least I'm going to go walk through. You never know. Never window shopping uh, is definitely you know it definitely yeah. can be good to see if there's something there to buy. But I do think the it's interesting right where where we are as a league. You make a good point. Uh, probably what you know what was it six seven years ago? Even if you were a team that at the midway point uh, was getting close to being out of it, a lot of teams you know stood pat. But what you're seeing is some of these teams that are maybe in this rebuilding mold and we're about to play one, uh, the dolphins, right. Who probably over the last couple of years have been in that rebuild. And what, what we're finding now that probably is different than, than just a few years ago is those teams are willing, uh, Hey, right. To, to trade a Jamal Adams because they feel like they're rebuilding and maybe, uh, you know, not quite ready to pay that player. If they do play that player, maybe you, I don't want to say you're almost like wasting his career with you because you, you weren't ready to could contend. So I think, I think that's the interesting thing that we're seeing in the league that, that teams are, are willing maybe to uh, trade, let's call it your splashier name players, as you said, JB, because they feel like, okay, wait a minute. We'd rather add draft capital to continue our, our rebuild than, than maybe uh, pay a player in this prime. Always enjoy catching up with General Manager Les Snead. Busy time of year for him, for his staff, and for the Rams, who are going to Miami before their bye to play Week 8 against Tua and the Dolphins. Uh, you referenced a couple of times there the draft capital, the youth of this roster. I wonder if we could zoom in on the first two picks you made this year. And I know a lot of questions have been asked in recent weeks. Where are the snaps for Van Jefferson? How come Cam Akers isn't getting opportunities? But Sean McVay said it again tonight, and I'm sure you share the sentiment, like, is this a a silver lining, the fact that those two haven't made a dent in the box score yet because of the health and the production of the players ahead of them on the depth chart? Uh, definitely, and I think uh, for our fans out there right now, I, I don't know if it would be as unexpected maybe as, as it looks on paper in that coming into this year and, and ever since we've had Sean as our head coach and offense coordinator, that, that side of the ball's been together a while it is a very precise unit right they're 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 beyond 
you know, they're beyond algebra and algebra two, right? They're, they're, they're doing physics with calculus. So what you do find is uh, the younger players come in and wow, holy cow, we, we rather, we, we're kind of ready for that algebra two class, but these guys are doing fix physics. And, and as you said, people like Johnny Munt, right. Can come in and he's so nuanced and, and precise and, and experienced in Sean's offense that he can fit right in where uh, a guy you didn't ask about, right. Bryson Hopkins, who, had a very good career at Purdue, a uh, rookie that has upside and, and a bright future with us, but not quite uh, to, let's call it Johnny's level yet in terms of the nuance of the game and things like that. And I think that has a lot to do with, with Sean, his offense, the experience those players have in it, the, the, the conscientiousness they take, uh, because all of those players on the side of the ball really, really care about refining their trade. So, uh, I think we've seen it with with rookies on that side of the ball. Other than maybe Cooper Cup, early in his career, uh, here is is it's kind of bide their time, wait their time. Daryl Henderson was one last year, but now he he's getting a shot this year. So we're jacked to have both of those two players, but we're jacked to have Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown and, and Josh Reynolds who've been getting reps over them. Uh, but I do think as the year goes on, and 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 you never know when you're gonna there's going to be an injury or what happened. You may have to take on a, a larger role or more substantial role or more a role with, uh, you know, a, a more quantity of reps, um, what that does, but we're jacked to have those two players and think they're going to have a bright future with. Don't you think that's a sign of health, a healthy football team, a healthy football culture when your rookies are finding it hard to get on the field. Now Cam Akers had the injury. That's one thing, but You've got guys ahead of him that have been here for years that are now contributing. That's the way a football team should work, right? That that is, you know, that is definitely an ideal way to go because you never want to take a rookie and have to play that player. It, obviously, if they're earned it, if they're ready, uh, then great. And and like you said, it, it in coming out of camp, uh, you know, during camp. Uh, Daryl Henderson had struggled a little bit with some injury. Cam Akers came out of camp, uh, you know, ready to, to take the load. Unfortunately, he got injured early, and then Daryl Henderson, you know, as he got injured, Daryl got healthier and got his chance and, and made the most of it. But I think the nice thing is, uh, whether it's Johnny Munt, whether it's Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, whether it's Josh Reynolds, Dan Jefferson, you know, Gerald Everett, uh, no matter who's up that night, uh, I do, you know, we believe internally based on what they've done on the practice field that, you know what, they're, they're truly going to be able to be a next man up, step in and, and make plays and, and, and we still function and be as precise and getting rhythm like you've seen us doing. So that is a very fortunate thing to have. Up next with Les Snead joining us on the Coach McVay Show. What's it been like with only a fraction of college football games to watch as they go into their draft cycle? Plus, we do want to ask about his observations on the state of the NFC West because that schedule, the bulk of it, is coming the Rams' way after their bye week. Glad you're with us tonight on 710 ESPN. Final thoughts here on the Coach McVay Show, previewing a trip to Miami and a chance to go 6-2 and two as they take on the Dolphins with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. General Manager Les Snead is with us tonight. And as you get into the draft cycle, 
Les, what's it been like with only a fraction of the college football games and therefore film to evaluate available to you and your staff in this strange 2020? Well, the, uh, probably, I would say, ironically, because you wouldn't think this, uh, I usually start my draft prep uh, sometime middle of October, a little bit late October, right, where, where basically what we do is we'll take uh, – uh, whatever our ratings are right, but maybe our, our top 200 players, but divide them up by position and do them for, for a week and then meet them at the end of the week. But I usually start at the, in October. I, the ironic thing is is with, with a lot of these schools that are playing out going strictly to conference play only, so all of a sudden you turn on Alabama film and you don't necessarily have the September schedule where you're like, well – I kind of want to wait until they, you know, they they play those SEC, those tougher opponents. So that's been the neat thing. As soon as you, no matter what what films in, it's usually conference on conference and quality on quality. So uh, that's been neat to do. But there is still, uh, you know, at those, you know, there's some definitely some draft eligible players that are on our draft board uh, based on uh, years past that uh, are in the Pac-12 or. Big Ten that really haven't started yet. Big Ten this weekend, so we don't have that film in. So you, you got to kind of you got to delay that schedule a little bit. And there's there's a few guys right that uh, opted out, and and you only get uh, the two nineteen film. And uh, I don't know if I can say this, but I mean it's you, you've watched him a lot, but I heard a lot about the the Oregon left tackle, right? And I just got a gut feeling based on us trading for Jalen Ramsey, based on our record to date, you know, he's not falling to us. No, you're not going to get him uh, less. We're not getting him. But what's amazing is you hear so much about it. I sit down and watch that guy last week from 2000, and he exceeded expectation. Wow. And and I didn't even want to watch him, right? I, I, he was my last offensive lineman I was going to watch for the week just because, okay, I'm just going to watch the guy's Everybody says he's going to be, a, you know, all pro, pro bowl, or hall of famer. And I'm like, holy cow, that guy is really good. So it's interesting with some of those opt outs. You probably don't need uh, too much film to watch. And I'm sure Oregon's disappointed he did he didn't come back. But from an NFL standpoint, I guarantee you his resume is really really good. So that's kind of what we're going through. And and the uh, you know you, we'll have to wade through that that whole FCS and, and spring season, but. Over the years, uh, if you look at the analytics, not a lot of uh, FCS players, right? In, in terms of quantity, maybe upwards twenty twenty five players drafted. Uh, so, from a draft standpoint, uh, you know you're not going to lose a lot of numbers. Uh, uh, but what does happen? A lot of that, uh, you know, it's called that level of play FCA to a lot of those players play football, have pro days, and end up. Uh, making the you know the bulk of the college free agency and many of those players right now are either in this league on a team or on a practice squad right now so uh that'll be definitely uh, interesting to wade through as as those players play football instead of having uh pro days and things like that well Les, we always appreciate your insight your perspective and the conversation uh safe travels to miami and here's to going into the bye at six and two Again, like we started the show, right? That's that's the vision. That's what's on the whiteboard. Uh, and now we, you know, we got a short week. We got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, a travel day on Saturday that you know to prepare to, to uh, bring that vision to life. Not going to be easy. 
you know, that team's been rebuilding, well coached, uh, competes every week, plays really good defense, and uh, and obviously uh, feel like they have their uh, future and franchise QB uh, making his debut. So uh, should be an entertaining game. And Mark will talk to you on. Thursday. Yes, sir. For all access the next time we connect. To all of you listening, thanks for being with us tonight on 710 ESPN for the Coach McVay Show.